Welcome to the Confident Eaters Podcast, where you get proven methods to end overeating, emotional eating, and stressing about food. We're heading for harmony between your body, food, and feelings. Hosted by me, Georgie Fear, and my team at Confident Eaters. Today, I have with me two of my co-coaches at Confident Eaters, Christina and Ariel. I think we are all just tickled pink at the idea of doing a new podcast because we have so many things to say that the more places we can say them, the better. We all love getting together, sharing our ideas, talking about our profession, and we like trading tips and seeing what's working for us, what's working for each other's clients, and how we can help everybody get the best results possible. So today, the three of us have gotten together to just chat about body image. And I think this is such a rich topic because it does impact everybody. I mean, everybody has some kind of body image, whether yours is a problem or you're completely happy with it, it applies to you. Body image, we could define it briefly as what you think and feel when you look in the mirror or when you picture yourself in your imagination. And importantly, I want to point out Body image is subjective. It's not a fact. So you can't have a wrong or a right body image. And you can't say to your friend who's bemoaning her body, like, you're just wrong. Your body image isn't correct. That's that's not how it works. You know, her perception is her perception. Importantly, it's also not static. I think everybody knows that with frightening speed, we can feel really pretty good one day and then feel completely unacceptable mere hours later. So we want to remember that body image is always going to be changing, always going to be going up and down, and that's all perfectly normal. One thing I think would be helpful for us all to just weigh in on is why does body image even matter? I mean, is it something that's even worth talking about? What do you think, Christina? Yeah, I think it's definitely worth talking about because like you said in your definition, it's all about how we perceive ourselves and how we perceive ourselves is really how we relate to ourselves. Uh, It's how we feel about ourselves, what we think about ourselves, the behaviors we do or don't do based on that perception. I think body dissatisfaction is becoming so common. It's really getting to the point where I've read it's becoming a public health problem. On top of all of that, making physique changes doesn't even really seem to do the trick. It doesn't seem to matter if we make those physique changes, if we have a negative body image about ourselves. Before and after, we have to work on that distinctly. Yeah, so that's a good point. We can learn to love and accept and appreciate our bodies apart from that. And that's why I think it's important. And we're in the business of helping people change their body shapes a lot of the times, but it doesn't mm-hmm. just linearly correlate with an improved body image. And I'm sure we've all known people who still were struggling with how they looked, even after they met what they thought was their goal. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Ariel, what do you think? Why does body image even matter? Or does it? Should we just cap it here? <laughs> <laughs> no, body image is huge. I think it's the driving force behind, well, for most people, it's the driving force behind how we treat ourselves. Well, especially our clients we're working with who are struggling with their weight or their health parameters. But it's also kind of one of those things that building on what Christina was referring to is I think clients come to us with the assumption that losing weight or achieving a specific physical ideal is going to make them happy. Or all of a sudden, then they're going to have the life that, you know, they dreamed of everything in their life is going to be okay. Once they hit that number, or once they hit that look, 
And the irony is that oftentimes that doesn't, that doesn't do the trick because the reason that we're in the situation to begin with where we perceive ourselves as not being good enough is really a lack of self-care and a lack of self-esteem. And losing weight is never going to fill that void. And when we start to change our relationship with ourself and honor ourselves and practice self-care, well, then our weight just becomes a side effect of building that self-esteem. Basically, body image is a powerful drive for the way we treat ourselves. It's intimately tied to our self-esteem. And people will assume that if someone has a fit body, they have a healthy body image. But the irony is that a low self-esteem is what often drives the desire to attain the perfect body. Mm -hmm. This is why so many people end up failing at their diet or going back to eating the ways they used to and their true value. Because we as people, we are beyond the aesthetics our experience life is so much more than our image and our appearance. And then this creates an internal conflict. If the method you've utilized to get to the supposed perfect body is overtaking every aspect of your life that you can't even enjoy your life. Well, you might get there, but now you're in your own prison. Yeah. And this illusion that the media and society has portrayed, that's actually what's going to make us happy is what's really stealing the life out of us. And I think that the reason that this has just become such a huge issue is, well, there's lots of reasons, but one is definitely the use of social media. Yeah. When you filter and cut and just these photos and images to make them look just a certain way, I think as much as we know on some level, it's not real, we still compare ourselves to that. We can't help but compare ourselves to that. Yeah, definitely. I I agree. Social media has a huge impact on my personal experience of how I feel and TV too. My husband enjoys watching Netflix and I'm often in the same room with him. So I'm obviously seeing what's on the TV, even if I'm not engaged with it. And sometimes I'll be like, there has not been one average looking person in the entirety of this evening. It's just Mm. all exceptionally symmetrical, thin, young people. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, like it sticks out to me, but I bet if I watched TV for long enough, I'd stop noticing it because it wouldn't seem so unusual to me. We've even seen research. There's a lot of research that shows Instagram in particular can be harmful for young girls' self-esteem and body image. You know, Georgie, I, it's, it's, yes, I, I completely agree with you in the sense of when you see it, it's almost like it becomes like, oh, this is normal. And then you go out and then you feel like, wow, something's really wrong with you. But then one thing that I've noticed for myself, at least, is when I've seen some of these shows on Netflix that are filmed out of the country. So I know there was one in Ireland, and there was one in another country. And I found myself loving watching these shows because I could so relate to the characters because they yeah. weren't airbrushed and they weren't perfect and I they know. had normal bodies. And I, I was like, European Jesus, what? Yes. I'm like, what is wrong with America? And like, this is, the, this is really what society looks like. This is, this is normal. And I realized what a profound impact that had on me at 42 years old. I could see how much just viewing normal images of just everyday people and comparing that to viewing these, you know, U.S. shows that are all airbrushed and the difference it had on my sense of self after watching those shows was like, even with that consciousness, you still can't help but be affected by like the media's constant images to show you where you're still not okay, basically. 
Yeah. It, it makes us feel completely alien if we don't have mascara on when we roll out of bed mm-hmm. in the morning because everyone on television <laughs> has like perfect loose curls. Like someone curled their hair in their sleep, even if like their alarm's going off in the scene and you're like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, like everyone must be working out a million hours a week, even if they're, you know, high powered lawyers or whatever on television, because they all have amazing yeah. bodies. Yeah. And they're all in the kitchen weighing and measuring their meals and making sure that they're not having one bite and <laughs> getting up at 4 a.m. to get on the treadmill for two hours and then not going out with friends and not eating a cookie with their grandmother because, oh, my God, then I'm not going to be perfect. And that's the truth about those images. Yeah. That's yeah. the part that's that's the story that's not shown is the life it steals from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that you mentioned is that our body image can change with our behaviors. So for example, if I start treating myself better, I might start feeling better about myself, but it's also very important in the opposite direction that the way I feel about myself is going to impact how highly I prioritize paying attention to myself. Do mm-hmm. I buy myself the better quality food? Do I take extra time to pack myself a lunch or do I just you know, throw a sandwich in a bag or just figure I'll run through the drive-through in between doing other errands? And I think we can help people create a positive spiral where they start treating themselves better, even if it's just on faith, like fake it till you make it sort of like treat yourself like you give a darn about yourself. And then you start to actually realize that you feel more positively about yourself when you're taking care of yourself. And when you take care of yourself, you may start to recognize like, yes, my health does improve. My body's resilient, even if I haven't been great to it over the years. And then you start to develop that real value and it becomes easier and easier to perpetuate. Mm -hmm. I love Christina's comment that it's a public health concern. And I think that's not an overstatement at all. How can anybody have solid mental health and true wellness if they're feeling uncomfortable with their very physical presence on the planet, like how can you socialize normally, how you can be genuine in your relationships or engage in regular physical activity, or even letting the world see the best of your creative and mental side and your intelligence and your intellect, if you still have this tiny piece of you that's like, suck it in all day long. Yeah, and I think it also dims our light. It keeps us from our full expression of ourselves. Because if on some level we don't feel worthy because of our physical appearance, well, then we're going to be hesitant to put ourselves out there in the world and be our full expression. Yeah, yeah. We can definitely shrink our lives trying to attain a a different body shape, thinking that we're going to be happier. And yeah, it's definitely not always the case. I agree. So what have you noticed in your clients regarding body image? I think you know all of us have worked with a lot of people, men and women, many of whom are coming to us for weight loss, but not all. We see people for all sorts of nutrition concerns. Christina, what would you say? Would you say most of your clients have had difficulty with body image or on the other hand, is it a topic that doesn't even come up? Yeah, not everyone brings it up, but the ones who do talk about it, it's usually in a negative light or struggles with body image. But what I am encouraged by is that a few of them are really fighting for moving the focus off of how their bodies look and more on the functions and gratitude for like how their bodies have served them. 
And one of my favorite reframes when it comes to body image is when I hear clients say something like, I'm too fat for these pants. Rather than saying there's something wrong with the body, it's putting the focus on the the clothes aren't the right thing. There's nothing wrong with the body. Maybe we need to find some pants that fit your body. And instead of saying the one thing, saying this size just doesn't fit my body currently, but I'm worth having clothes that fit my body I'm in right now, rather than forcing something that doesn't fit my body. And I think the reason that comes up so much is because I work with a lot of moms and they comment on, you know, I've kept these clothes from pre-pregnancy and they just don't look the same on me. Or if someone who used to run a lot and started strength training, their body changes or gaining some muscle, gaining some booty and shoulders are a little bit broader and these, these clothes just don't fit them anymore. So it's hard to let go of clothes that you love, but I try to encourage clients that if it's not contributing to health and positive body image, it's just making you feel negatively, like you have to get back to this thing, then it's worth asking if it's something you even want to keep around. But I I definitely try to encourage folks to at least have some items that fit their current body and that they feel confident and comfortable in. So it's not just a battle against themselves constantly. Oh yeah. Nobody can have their best day with like waistband digging in or shoes that are a size too small exactly. or like an underwire bra that like you should have replaced three years ago and the underwire is like slowly stabbing you in the chest like having clothes exactly. that are comfortable is definitely key to just letting ourselves have our best life for sure and clothing shopping definitely is one of those vulnerable spots absolutely mm-hmm. I think anywhere we're going somewhere formal where they're going to take a lot of pictures like oh Nelly that's going to be a difficult <laughs> body image circumstance and fitting rooms like I bet there there isn't a fitting room in North America that has not seen tears on its interior walls because so many of oh, us yeah. have had like breakdowns of complete existential <laughs> crises because none of the pants we bought in will like come above mid-thigh and it's important to have the tools, like you said, Christina, to reframe those especially difficult moments. I like to think of fitting rooms as where clothing auditions to get to be on my body. Mm, I so love that. If it doesn't fit, fail. If that didn't fit, fail. And this is absolutely not something that I used to do. I definitely used to walk around in clothing that didn't fit and berate myself because I couldn't fit into size whatevers. And deliberately making some changes about it. And just those simple wording changes can really have a dramatic impact on how we feel. I think that can be really helpful because honestly, I don't know anybody personally or well that hasn't at some point had a moment where they were struggling with a low opinion of their body or their appearance. So Mm -hmm. I think it's something that we're not immune to, even if we're coaches, like we professionally, we can talk about this stuff and support other people. And it doesn't mean that we aren't still also going to have days when we're like, "Eh, don't look like I used to not sure I feel like a million bucks here. When the weather first got hot this summer, I put on some shorts. And I was like, these are on the shorter side. (laughs) Everything important's covered up. But at the same time, there's a whole lot of legs (laughs) sitting out here. (laughs) And I was thinking like, I'm just not sure I'm comfortable in these. So I went online and I ordered some longer shorts thinking like, I'll just be more comfortable if I have shorts that are a few inches longer hem. And the shorts that showed up, I couldn't even pull up over my thighs. So this did not make me more comfortable. On the other hand, it made me say, you know, those shorts were not cut for 
athletic legs like mine and I'm going to have to send them back and find some other ones. But I, I'll be honest, like it definitely took me down a notch in terms of body confidence to not be able to pull a pair of clothing on that I thought I was going to be able to wear. Ariel, you shared with me before that this is a particular topic that you want to learn more about, not only so you can help your clients, but also so you can enjoy those gains yourself in getting to that mm-hmm. body image place you want to get to. How would you describe the place you want to get to? Oh, I love that, Georgie. I would love to get to the place where I feel confident in my skin. I mean, body image is always going to fluctuate, but the place I want to get to is where I can truly love and appreciate my body for its appearance, whatever it is, you know, that day, not and not, not base how I feel about myself or what I'm going to wear on how I look in something, but more so like, how do I feel in it? Do I like this outfit? You know what I mean? Choosing things more so that draw me from an artistic sense versus like, oh, is this covering my thighs or is this making me look a certain way? I'm I'm so tired of piecing myself apart. And I see this a lot with women where it's like we hone in on one physical feature, one characteristic that we don't like. And for me, it's been my legs my whole life. You know, I got the impression from a very, yeah, (laughs) I got the impression from a very young age. I got bullied quite a bit as a kid about my legs. And I definitely got the impression from my mother that I was the one that needed to watch my weight. And so growing up with that kind of conditioning, so to speak, is very, very powerful. I mean, we form that image of ourselves at a very young age. And so what do I want to get to? I want to get to the point where I feel like I rock my body in the sense of I'm not giving anybody else the power on how I feel about myself. I'm owning my shape. I'm owning, you know, the body I was given, making the best of it and accepting it a hundred percent. And I have a daughter and she's 10. And the last thing I ever want her to do is experience the prison that I have felt for most of my life because of how I perceived myself. It's really painful to live in a place where you don't really love yourself unconditionally. I think of it as unconditional love in some ways. And I think a lot of us struggle with that. And at this generation, it's like we're shifting that narrative. Like I look at my mother and my mother's mother was very restrictive. And my mom always calls her borderline anorexic. And so I think just like as the world is evolving, we're evolving as people. And it's our responsibility now, at least I feel it's my responsibility as a mother to break this generational karma and have my daughter hopefully grow up into a woman who feels really confident in her body, no matter what size or shape she is, as long as she's coming from a place of self-care, you know? Yeah. I think one thing that you mentioned, like when we're trying on clothing, sometimes Mm -hmm. we're simplifying our opinion about a particular item. If we're like deciding if we want to purchase it or wear it, it's almost like we just ignore so many things. Like, do I like the color? Is it comfortable? (laughs) Can I breathe? If I bend over, am I going to flash half the world? And we're just like, do I look thin? Do I look thin? Mm -hmm. Do I look thin? Do I look thin? And that's like the massive question. Like, well, what if something makes you look thin, but it itches like hell and the color just doesn't do your complexion any favors? Like there's so much more. And 
mm-hmm. really changing our eyes may be more important than changing our waistline. And as you said, mm-hmm. that unconditional acceptance can lead to freeing us up from worrying about our appearance as like, oh, what are other people going to see in me? And focusing more on like, do I feel good about myself? Am I taking care of my body? Am I expressing myself through clothing and jewelry and accessories the way I enjoy doing it? And am I enjoying how I live my life? Like, are my legs fueling me on hikes and playing hockey and running around with my kid and going on the trampoline and doing all these things? And I think we can lose so much when we focus on just our weight and our shape and how beautiful we look compared to like, how much fun are we having in these bodies that Mm -hmm. we have? And I have found like, it's really helpful for a lot of my clients to focus on that, like have fun in your body as opposed to just make it look really nice. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a lot of times that is hobbies or sporting activities, but sometimes it's just recognizing that like your body is the vehicle that's going to let you go on that trip to Paris or how fun it can be to go do an exciting skydiving adventure or a bike tour or walking on the Great Wall of China, all these things you couldn't do if your body wasn't helping you out. One reframe that I have found super helpful as a fellow leg insecurity master is that (laughs) if I had to trade my legs, which are very strong, if I had to trade them for legs which were thinner, but not as strong, I don't think I would make the trade. Even though aesthetically, I might be like, I would kind of like some longer, thinner legs. It would be such a huge loss to maybe not have the stamina or endurance that I have, thanks to the muscle that is in those legs. So sometimes if we offer ourselves the trade-off, like, would you want to look like a supermodel if it meant you had to give up something wonderful that your body does right now? Maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. But I want to, I want to touch on that because I think it's really interesting. The other thing we didn't, we haven't brought up is the cultural conditioning, right? Because I have a client from Brazil and he thinks it's hilarious that women in the States want thin legs because in Brazil, it's all about the big booty, the big thighs, the curves, because if you don't have booking my ticket right now, (laughs) (laughs) if you don't have strong, feminine, thick legs, they see that as a lack of fertility. It's not as beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's not like the mothery or the feminine shape. And it's really interesting to me, like in our culture, how the body that's put on a pedestal is most oftentimes a woman that can't even reproduce because her body fat's too low. And it's like, so we are praising a body that is the antithesis of femininity and female sexuality. What's that about? You know? Right. And it's, it's so rare. Like if you're thinking about femininity as like the characteristics of a woman, we'll round up a hundred women and one or fewer looks like the ideal. So maybe femininity should be what women actually look like. One of the things that I have found really, really helpful personally, as well as my clients, I don't know if you guys have ever done anything like this, but deliberately do some people watching and body watching in a real life setting. Go to your shopping mall, sit in the food court and just take a gander at our fellow human beings. And I find it so refreshing that we have such a diversity of sizes and that nobody looking like an Instagram model has walked past me. It's people who look like my friends and my neighbors and, and me and other, you know, people. And we 
Now, all of us are fine. Like none of us are better or worse than the others. We're all doing our thing and enjoying our day. And it's kind of easy to lose sight of that real reality check. Mm -hmm. Do you guys mm -hmm. ever do that? Ever just take, take a gander at the gym at how many different body sizes there are out there? I love people watching so much. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things to do. I do go to a powerlifting bodybuilding gym. So it's maybe not the best representation of average bodies, but it is still very fun to people watch. And I go other places for the sole purpose of taking it all and seeing different kinds of people. And yeah, it's great. Well, I live near the beach here. So it's always, you know, enlightening when you go to the beach and you realize we are exposed to such a narrow array of body types in the media. And when you go to the beach or you go anywhere where people are half naked and you're like the variety of shapes <laughs> and sizes, and it's, it's incredible. And they're all and it, enjoying the beach. Exactly. <laughs> and there's no, there's nothing about the length of somebody's legs that affects their ability to enjoy laying on the beach and running around with their kids and enjoying going in the water and playing the sand. And it's just amazing how much we emphasize the physical appearance versus like what our bodies actually do. Because if you could have the perfect legs, but you couldn't walk, so you can just lay there on the beach, right. but you can't walk. You just lay there and everybody can walk by and just admire how beautiful your legs are. But guess what? You're not going anywhere. I know that sounds like an extreme example, but it is kind of like the pressure we put on ourselves. I mean, I know women who will not go to the beach and wear a bathing suit because of how uncomfortable they feel in their bodies. And think mm. about it. If this was your last day on earth, would you not go to the beach because your thighs weren't the right size? Or do you think you'd say, ah, I'm going to the beach? Right. Yeah. Maybe as we get older, at some point, all of us are going to be like, I don't care anymore. I'm just about having fun with the time I have left. And yeah. I think that's I do think there's like some kind of age threshold where that happens because I meet I do some older folks and they're they yeah. definitely have that mindset they're like I don't care <laughs> this is that's not awesome. what it's about anymore and who says we have to wait like can we just do that exactly. today like that sounds yeah. really fun Why not? sounds really really <laughs> fun I just want to say exactly what Ariel was saying earlier about you know moms wanting to pass down something different. That's a lot of what I hear from clients too, is they grew up in a home where the focus was very much on trying to stay small and drink their bodies and restrict what they were eating. And, and from a young age, it is very impactful. And so now they're trying to overcome that as adults and not pass that down. And it is countercultural to promote and celebrate things like strength and other qualities that aren't related to how we look. It's not what our media celebrates a lot of the time, but I think that is the shift that's happening. And that encourages me a lot too. Agreed. And of course your book, Georgie, give yourself more talks about that a lot. And it's one of the best out there. So go call <laughs> me up today. Thanks for the plug. Yeah. yeah. The conversations between mothers and daughters and aunts and uncles and grandparents those early, early childhood experiences and opinions that we internalize are just so impactful that everybody who's around children, I hope they recognize that not only can you raise somebody to have a super secure sense of self and values, but you can also really undermine somebody's security for the rest of their life. I absolutely know that among my clients, it's 
almost universal that someone in their family of origin passed down the habit and skill of body criticism. And a lot of times the parent was directly criticizing of the child, monitoring their weight, saying that they needed to go to Weight Watchers, cautioning them, if you eat too many potato chips, no man is going to love you. No boys are going to want to date you. Or commenting about her own body. You know, the mom saying, I can't wear that. Only people who look like X can wear that style. Or commenting on strangers. It's so Mm -hmm. incredibly hurtful to be a child. I'll say it's, it's incredibly harmful for a child to be, for example, in the minivan and your mom is watching a pedestrian walk in front of the car and says something like, well, it would shrink if you moved it faster. Or saying... God, can you believe that that person is wearing that at that size? You know, when you're a child and you hear messages like that, it's incredibly harmful because you're getting the idea that not only is this important enough that somebody should comment on it, but if your body looks like your mother's and she's criticizing her own body, that's telling you very plainly that your body is not okay either. So I think the corrective experiences that we get from going to the mall, going to the beach, going to the gym and looking at real people and noticing people of all shapes and sizes are enjoying this activity, are enjoying hanging out with friends, are enjoying the music at this festival. Those can be so, so powerful in terms of correcting messages that we may have gotten at earlier times that said you can't have fun if you don't look right and that no one will love you and you won't have value if you don't look a certain way. So I have a few things that I like to recommend for my clients who want to build a more positive body image. I encourage you guys to weigh in if you have some that you think your clients have also found. Before we started the recording, I was actually talking with Ariel about a lot of things that we do just as a company and as confident eaters, coaches, helps people with body image because we refrain from doing what so much of the industry does that can really slash a person's body image. For example, we don't make people take photos in their underwear so that they have progress photos. We don't encourage people to get on the scale if that's something they're not comfortable with. And I know many of our clients don't ever set foot near a scale and we're able to monitor if they're moving toward their goals in a hundred other more meaningful ways. We also talk with clients about adopting activity that they love, that feels good. And most of our conversations center around helping our clients feel proud, feel healthy, have great sleep and energy and all of these things. And even though we're helping them move toward weight loss, if that's one of their goals, that's never, ever the only goal. We would never want to get somebody to a thinner body only to leave them miserable and neurotic. So Mm -hmm. I think just by encouraging people to do things, like treating them like a whole person and not just a calorie intake or a number on the scale is really important. And I think you just nailed it, Georgie, with treating them like a whole person. And that was the mistake I've made in the past working with clients. Even if I got them to their goals, we were only working on the surface. We were working on how much are you eating? What are your calories? What are your macros? You know, that's like the very traditional route and what a lot of these companies do. But ultimately, that is never going to work long term because you're not getting to the root or the core reason that somebody wasn't practicing self-care to begin with. Because the bottom line is that We don't overeat when we feel good about ourselves. And also whenever we try to achieve something that doesn't resonate and is somebody else's rules or somebody else's process, 
it's never going to be permanent because ultimately what we all want is we all want to be the directors of our relationship with food and our body on on a deep level that's really evolving out of a place of self-respect and self-care so if the emphasis is always on the surface level of how we can manipulate things in order to achieve a certain goal we may achieve it but most likely it's not going to be permanent which is why i think that 95 percent of diets fail because you're going on a diet versus looking at what was driving your habits and behaviors to begin with. And how can we start to work on that on a deeper level, on a core level, build your self-esteem, build new habits and behaviors that actually resonate with an approach that you can fall in love with so that it's a forever thing. Absolutely. Anything to add, Christina? I'm definitely very much still in progress for myself, but I think detaching your worth from your physique which is something I'm trying to practice is a big one. I know we've talked about this earlier, but I definitely grew up having nothing but critical things to say about my body. So just even being aware that those negative thoughts are happening is a great first step. Like if you just notice, hey, I'm noticing I'm saying this terrible thing about my body or this, I'm noticing I don't feel great here, but encouraging people and I encourage myself to know that like you're on the same team as your body you don't have to punish yourself even more with negative statements and you don't have to love every part of your body in order to treat it well you might be frustrated part of you that your pants don't fit while the other part of you doesn't want to go down that shame spiral or you might start noticing those negative thoughts and at least just try to neutralize them like you might say, oh, my thighs are so big. Instead of that, it's like, oh, I'm noticing I have thighs. These are human thighs. And then leave it at that rather than having these automatic negative things. Um, and maybe that's a good first step. Yeah, I love the idea of neutralizing because none of us are going to go from a very strongly negative body image or self-esteem to one that's like super great, you know, just like in an instant because we found the right mantra it's more like we're able to take the thoughts that are strongly negative and move them toward a more neutral. You know, body neutrality is a concept that has gained a lot of popularity with people who don't feel like being positive about their body feels within reach or feels realistic to them. And it's more the idea that my body is what it is. It's perfectly fine. And there are much more interesting things about me that I'm going to focus on. And just not treating appearance like it means a whole lot can be a, a tremendous load lifted in making somebody's life less constrained because of a negative body image. We've touched on some of this before, but I had jotted some notes here about things that I encourage people to consider if this would help them, because everybody's different. You know, you may find that one thing in particular really helps you. And then another one of these tips, you're like, I kind of already do that. Pass. So the first one is developing that functional appreciation for your body. Like Arielle said, what can my body do? Can my body carry grocery bags and a toddler in at the same time? Can my body deal with wrangling four cats? Can my body sit through a really long work shift? Can my body fly an airplane? Can my body cook a really fantastic lasagna? Can my body hug my children? Can my body participate in sports? There are so many things that our bodies do. And even if you're not particularly athletically inclined, your body still does so many things. Even just being a biologically sustaining organism, digesting your food, healing your wounds, 
keeping your immune system running. Your body's doing some pretty awesome stuff all the time that we easily forget. A second one really overlaps with what Christina said about there being so much more to our self-esteem than just what we look like. There's so many other things about us. If you think about how somebody would describe you at your funeral, Ariel joked earlier before we were recording, somebody at your funeral wouldn't be like, yeah, I don't remember much about her, but like, damn, did she have a rockin' body? Like, no, <laughs> that's not what people will remember about you. People will remember how you made them feel, how you helped them, how you touched them, how you inspired them, how you teamed up with them, how you comforted them. These are the things that really make an impression on the world. It's not like, wow, look at my rear. Uh, <laughs> redefining our goals, redefining what we think of as healthy and redefining what we want for our lives. Sounds kind of pie in the sky, but I think that also can really help us redirect if we're feeling super distressed about our appearance, that there's a lot of ways that we can make progress toward goals and health and a better life totally separate from changing our appearance. Focusing on movement that feels good. Moving our bodies is not only good for our bodies, but for our minds and for our communities and for our relationships and just keeping ourselves moving can be a wonderful way to treat ourselves well. I found this. So this next one would probably get the asterisk for Georgia. You really need this one the most of all of the things you say to other people. And that's more focus on relationships. A lot of us, I think, have said, well, if I'm not going to base my self-esteem on my appearance, what am I going to base it on? Well, you can fall into the trap of building your self-esteem based on your accomplishments. And that can lead into like the workaholism being overproductive sort of trap. I have found that when I build my self-esteem based on things that are internal to me, like my values, my integrity, am I acting in ways that I feel proud of? That gives us something like really substantial. And relationships are also a really key part, I think, of recognizing our value. Like nobody else could be the friend that you are. Nobody else could be the sister, the mother, the coworker, the coach that you are. And when you look at those relationships, you may realize your appearance has almost nothing to do with the people that treat you well, or the people that trust you or don't trust you, or the people that dislike you. Your appearance is probably not one of the reasons that they dislike you. So we can see how much relationships affect our sense of who we are, our place in the world. And you may also recognize in the sense of like a corrective experience that when your appearance has changed over time, because goodness, all of ours has changed over time, did that really change how people treated you? Do you have friends that were your friends through thick, thin, bad haircuts, bad fashion and all? Or were there people that really didn't seem to want to give you the time of day when you cut your own bangs? You can really learn a lot about yourself and the people that you surround yourself with by how they interpret and react to your appearance. I hope for most of the people out there that you can recognize the majority of people in your life are there for you regardless of what you look like and changing what you look like will neither bring them closer to you nor push them further away. I also think that when we get caught up in worrying about other people's opinion of us, one thing that has been really helpful for me is to remember that no one ever agrees on anything. So if I imagine <laughs> in my like mind's horror movie director role that I'm going to get out of the car at the gas station and everyone at all six pumps is going to turn around and be like, oh my God, she left the house in those short shorts. 
<laughs> that this is highly unlikely because in reality, even if one person said that, the next person would be like, damn, I want those shorts. And the next person would be like, damn, honey, can you wear shorts like that? And the third person would be like, oh my God, she's so old. She must think she's younger. And then the fourth person would be like, wow, she's got really long hair. I wish my hair would grow that long. Like everyone's thinking different stuff. The odds of anyone agreeing on anything, let alone criticizing our appearance are exceedingly small. So you're probably somebody's taste, even if it's not your own or somebody else's. For every one person that compliments you, there can be 300 who are thinking they want to be just like you or more like you. Lastly, treating the thoughts differently. Christina, you sort of touched on this before with when you hear yourself in your, inside your mind saying things like, oh, my stomach looks not great today, or I can't wear this. It doesn't look good. I look terrible in this dress. We can treat those thoughts differently by taking a step back and saying, I notice I'm having self-critical thoughts. I notice I'm thinking unkind things about my body right now. It's not necessarily the truth. I'm just recognizing it as something that I'm thinking. And we can all recognize that we get ideas, not all of which are high quality ideas. Like the aforementioned self-trimmed bangs. <laughs> and I've never done that. What are you talking about? You've never done that? Oh, God. No, no, I have. Like, I'm sending times. someone to your house to break up with you immediately so you have bangs by tomorrow. <laughs> That's the way it happens. It's, it's totally how it happens. Like, I need to change yeah. something. <laughs> Recognizing that you're going to have ideas that aren't good. You're going to have self-critical thoughts that aren't helpful or kind. And you can always go back and be like, hmm, didn't mean that. Let me try again. This dress doesn't make me feel my best. So I'm not going to wear it. You get to go back and redo your thoughts. You can coach your thoughts. Just like if you say something to a loved one that you recognize is hurtful after it comes out of your mouth, you can say, I didn't mean that. That's not how I wanted to be. That's not my best self. Give me another shot here. And that loving relationship with your partner or your friend will support that. You can say a few things wrong and still have a great relationship. And the same thing can happen with your body. You can say things from time to time or give it too much of food or drink or not enough exercise. And it doesn't mean that you've trashed your relationship with it. You can still foster that mutual partnership by apologizing, trying to treat it well today and being as kind to it as you can, because we are in this for the long haul with our bodies. Any parting words that you want to share with any anybody listening, Ariel? Anything you think you want to leave out there for people to think about when it comes to body image? Well, I was just thinking about something kind of funny because my dog is sitting here next to me. <laughs> She's laying out on the carpet. And I was just imagining about while we're walking our dogs and the bulldog looked at the golden doodle and was like, oh my God, I wish I had her legs. And the golden doodle's looking at the bulldog. Like, oh, I wish I were built like, I mean, this is how crazy it is though, right? I mean, can you imagine animals in nature comparing their body types to each other? Yeah. Like we would be laughing. We'd be like, this is hilarious. But it's like, that's what we're doing, we do right? As humans, yeah. we do it all the time. No, one thing that I was going to say just like was that's been helpful as far as like working on my own body image issues is I watched this really good TED talk about body image. And one of the things she said was like putting your hand on your heart, taking a deep breath and just giving yourself some love. And then the other thing that I've also done is, and we can all do that now. Yeah, I'm totally doing it. It does. It feels <laughs> so kind, right? It feels kind, oh, doesn't it? And lovely. you think about that. 
that and you're just like, take a few deep breaths, you get yourself into a parasympathetic state. And I think about my daughter and I think about how would I want my daughter to think about or treat herself or look at herself right now? Can I treat myself the same way? Can I give myself the same love and compassion and care that I would give my daughter? Because when we didn't receive that on some level, sometimes we have to kind of use objective example to bring ourselves into that awareness. Thinking about my daughter has really helped me not be so hard on myself because I never, ever want her to struggle the way that I have my whole life. Yeah. And I will do anything to prevent that. And she hasn't done anything to earn it. No. That kindness. No. It just feels right. You feel the best. It seems fitting and appropriate. And like anything else seems crazy to be anything but loving. And it's kind of sad that we may have gotten away from that for ourselves, where it feels okay mm -hmm. to put ourselves down. But again, we've got time in these bodies. We've got time with these selves. So we can absolutely warm it up in here and start being kinder at any time. And like any relationship, it can get warmer. It can get stronger for the things that you go through. Even if you have a checkered past, it's never too late to make peace and start extending a bit of an olive branch. Yeah. What about you, Christina? Anything that you want to leave listeners to think about or consider? I would just say, we mentioned this earlier, but I've been thinking about it a lot lately. And that is, when we take time to identify those non-physical traits that we admire, there's a post that a lot of my friends have shared where it's like non-physical compliments you can give to your friends. You're such a great listener. You have the best energy. I love how passionate you are. You're such a generous person. And I love that in relation to our friendships, but I've been thinking about how can we do that with ourselves? A little bit of affirmation focus, like, Hey, mm. I'm good at these things, but giving ourselves those compliments, I think we would be better off. Our mental real estate will be taken up a lot less with the negative things we have to think about our bodies. And we can focus on all these other amazing things that make us who we are. Yeah. And I love that as an antidote to feeling like we need to get on the scale super frequently to find out how we're doing. Because I think it's normal mm -hmm. to want some feedback from the universe around us. We look to other people, we look to the scale, we look to all sorts of things to answer that actual question, how am I doing? And when we can look to ourselves and be like, how am I doing? Well, that depends on what do I want to be doing? Do I want to be mm -hmm. treating people with respect and working hard and donating to causes that matter to me and putting aside things that are less valuable uses of my time so that I put more time into the things that matter more to me. I think we can look at that alignment between our actions and the qualities that we really value. And we can use that to make corrections where they're necessary. I'll look at my past behavior over a day and say, wow, they, there was some time frittered away in stuff that I really don't want to be investing a lot of my time in. And it's not for self-criticism. It's just that now I can correct it for the next day. And I think it's just so much more useful than the equivalent information we get from the scale, which is essentially a thumbs up or thumbs down on how you're doing without yeah. necessarily feedback on how you can do better and improve and feel better. I would like to leave listeners with parting words just to consider that, again, it's normal for your body image to go up and down over time. But if you pay attention you'll notice the things that boost it up 
and the things that drive it downward. And you're in control of a lot of those things. The people you spend your time with, the thoughts that you feed yourself when you look in the mirror, and the things that you hear and dismiss from other people versus the things that you hear and truly internalize can make a big difference. And the words that you say to yourself are going to vastly drown out the things that other people say to you. My way that I remember that is I think of my beautiful old bulldog, Lucy, and how when she's snoring, she can't hear if we are calling her name or the alarm is going off or atomic bombs are falling. All she can hear is the snoring in her own head. And in some ways that can really reflect our inner dialogue and that what other people say to us isn't going to be that meaningful, even if it's negative. If we're walking around telling ourselves that I deserve to be here, I'm doing a good job and my life is going to be really fun because I'm going to make it so. I love that. Thanks. Thanks everybody for joining us. We look forward to bringing you more from the Confident Eaters team. If there's anything that you want to hear more about, we definitely want to know so we can give you all the fodder that you want to put in your ear holes. Reach out to me at georgiefear at gmail.com and we'll see you in the next episode.